Well, exciting times. We move into the new building, um, May, June. It's next door. It's been built. Uh, it's going to really um, increase our capacity in many ways. It's going to be two and a half size, times the size of this, and uh, that means we can have more people come along. You can invite more people, and we want more people so that we can do more good stuff for the kingdom, not just to gather people. Amen. So please get involved. Um, it's an exciting place to, to be involved in, uh, a church, and um, we value all of you. So last week, I'm just going to build on a message that I spoke last weekend. Um, it was New Year's Eve, and in a sense, it was setting the platform for this year, and this is the first um, preach of this year. So I wanted to, and I wanted to pick it up this week again. There'll be a bit of an overlap. But speaking on, on a word, a particular word that Felicity Pooley had for the church just before the end of the year, and uh, if you go on our website, we have the prophetic words for this church. I think they're online. If they're not, we'll put them there. Going right back to the inception of 1997, when Deborah and my family arrived in Nanaimo, not knowing one uh, Christian in the city, and God has grown this amazing people uh, through that, and pro the prophetic words that God g have given us have been very dear to us over the year, and many of them have to do with the, the presence of God, that people will be attracted by the presence of, of God, and um, we're sensing that, and so uh, Felicity brought this um, word, and if we could put it up, Andy, that'll be great, and uh, she sent it to us, and this is what it said. He said, hi, Mike and Dad, as I was thinking this morning, uh, and, and praying for you should have been there this morning, uh, our faithful leaders and our eldership team of Oceanside. I want to thank you so much for your teachings on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you go back uh, a few weeks uh, in, um, from September, October onwards, you'll see that we shifted gears and we went through the whole process of the indwelling Spirit of God the outpouring of the Spirit of God, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and so on. And so uh, if you'd like to know what we believe upon that, that is online and also in the Bible school. He said, I, I felt spiritually it was such a breakthrough for Oceanside, those teachings, and that the floodgates have finally opened. Amen? We don't want them to close again. Amen? And this is what this preaching is all about. I spill, uh, 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 we can look forward to much, much more as we continue to surrender area of our lives to the leading of God's Spirit. That's key. The, one, the top part of the prophecy is an invitation from God to open the floodgates. And the bottom part of the prophecy is as we continue to surrender every area of our lives to the leading of God's Spirit. And I pray that's what we will do um, this year. I believe it's an, an amazing opportunity that we have, and God is calling us deeper, deeper still. It's something this morning I went up to um, Westwood Lake, uh, and uh, I don't know if you know, there's a boat ramp there, and um, I drive down the ramp because I'm from South Africa and I'm afraid of the cold and the wet, and uh, I sit in my car on the ramp. And uh, just with worship, Hillsong United on there, just worshiping God. 
And it's just wonderful at that lake because I go there often, and you see people will start on the bank, and they start going deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. It's not like you, a swimming pool where you jump off the edge and you drown. A lake is like this. And, and God is wanting us to take the next step. What is your next step in the life of the church? Some are further others than others, and when we compare ourselves by ourselves, or with ourselves sometimes we're not wise because we think, well, we're further ahead than others. But I tell you, God wants you to go deeper still, the one on the bank, to get the feet in the water and for us to go deeper into all the things that God has for us. We looked last week, and I'm going to uh, say a few things again about uh, the keys to the increase of the presence of God. You see, first of all, it's an increase of a desire in our hearts to, to pray and seek God's face daily. One of the things that God never intended church to be was a Sunday event. That we go to church on Sunday, we do our Sunday thing, God intended us to be the church. We are the church, the body of Christ. Sunday is about coming together and worshiping and being ministered to out of the overflow of what has happened weekly. God is the God of relationship. God wants relationship with you, and that's why Jesus died. He didn't simply die, and you'll hear this over and over from me, to pay the price for our sins. He died to pay the price for our sins so that relationship broken by sin could be restored with our Father. And therefore, as Hebrews 4 says to us, we can come into the Holy of Holies by grace through faith daily. We come to the throne of grace, Hebrews tells us, and when we come to His throne by grace, and what is the grace? The, the grace is that we are hidden in Christ, that God does not see us as we are. And when we come by grace, and we enter the throne room, it says we receive mercy. And this is a daily thing. And when we receive mercy, we come out the other side of our devotional time, our time with God, and we find more grace to the day. His mercies are new every day, church. And I tell you, it's like not only showering a week. How many of you only shower once a week? Please don't put your hand up. But uh, it could be quite odorous in this place, to say the least, because we pick up stuff. And when we're not in God's presence, and when we're not, it's not because we have to, but because God wants a relationship with us, and we want one with Him. But when we come daily, and he, we receive His mercy, and we deal with the stuff of the day before, He washes us clean, and He cleanses us from all unrighteousness, and He gives us more grace for every day. So the increase daily, and our church, I want to encourage you in that. And I tell you, it doesn't have to be a religious thing. You don't have to be in a house. You don't have to be anywhere. You can be like me on the car on a rainy day on the, on the, on the uh, side of Westwood Lake and just seeing the glory of God. It could be on a walk. It could be anywhere. But make that time. God wants you to go deeper still. Interesting, when Adam, when the fall of Adam, when Adam and Eve sinned and relationship was broken with God, God did not come to the garden with a baseball bat. Adam, where are you? His heart was, where are you, Adam? 
I want relationship with you. And Adam hid from God because he knew that he had made a mistake. And that's why God sent Jesus Christ, Christ to restore that relationship. An increase of humility towards God and each other, and we're going to speak to that, that I believe that God is wanting to take us in deeper still. And as Felicity said, a surrender of every area of our lives. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to you. Lord Jesus, I surrender. I surrender all. Give him your stuff. The good, the bad, and the ugly. The past, the present, and the future. He paid the price for us. Your sin was paid for 2,000 years ago. Before you even sinned. And so we come to him in this relationship and he washes us and cleanses us so that we can be more like him and represent him well as ambassadors of Christ. And Paul speaks, writes in Ephesians um, 4, 1 and 5. And so a bit of a recap uh, from last week. But we read this and he starts with, as a prisoner of the Lord. This is an amazing statement. Paul is writing from jail. He writes this, the, uh, Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, and uh, is it Galatians? Also from jail. I tell you the amazing thing about this man, he never really speaks much about being sorry for himself being in jail because he knew that God was using him in and through that. And I want to tell you something, even when we go through jail experiences, whatever they are, bad times, God will turn them around for good. Because I want to tell you an amazing thing. If Paul was not in jail, he would not have written this letter. He could have told them to, uh, to, the, to them personally, and who would have written it down? We would not have these letters. And I'm sure Paul at the time didn't understand the, the significance of that. But God turns everything around. If you're going through stuff, Russ, that amazing word that God wants, God is greater and bigger than us. If you if you've gone through stuff, give it to him, let him set you free, and then help others through what you went through. Turn it around. If you're lonely, find somebody more lonelier. I bet you there's somebody more lonelier. If you're happy, find somebody happier and everything in between. Amen. And he says this, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble. We're going to speak about that. And gentle. Be patient, bearing one in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. I want to preach on that maybe in a few weeks' time. What that means. There's one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all, through all, and in all. Church, I just want to focus on that being completely humble for a while. You see, what humility does, it creates an atmosphere for unity. It's the breeding ground of unity. And unity releases, according to Psalm 133, it's only three verses, so you can read it this week a few times. And he says there, For where there is unity, God commands His blessing. The blessing of God. The not only physical blessing, but spiritual blessing upon a, upon a people. 
And the, one of the ways he blesses a community is we know that the omnipresence of God, we know of the indwelling presence of God, but there's also the manifest presence of God that Moses in Exodus 33 experienced, where, where God hid him under the, uh, the, and in the rock, cleft of the rock, and walked past, where the presence of God comes down. And I sense God wants to take us deeper into the presence of God, deeper and deeper still in, in these things. You see, it releases the commanded blessing of God, unity. Humility is the atmosphere where that unity thrives. And humility does this. It enables us to see the dignity and worth of all people. Church, I pray that this church doesn't become a place where there's different little groups doing their own little thing. But we'll see the dignity in every single one. That we're reaching out beyond us to the ones on the sidelines, to the old, to the young, to everybody else, to people that want, we want to come off the streets, maybe not looking like us or feeling like us, that they will get to see the dignity and the worth of God through us as we humble ourselves and understand that God forgave us much. And who much is forgiven, much is required, the Word of God is. So I pray that this is something that will be part of this church. You see, humility takes the focus of me and puts the focus on those around us. Church, I know we need to sit in chairs like this, and it's wonderful to come and be taught and preached and as part of the Word of God. But God intended more than us to have fellowship with the back of somebody's head. He wants us to be a family, His family, a family that recognizes people for who they are, children or soon-to-be children of the Son of the living God. It takes the focus of I, me, my. What's in it for me? Church, we, come to, we can come to church two ways. What can the church do to me with my napkin on or with a, what are these called? Apron, with an apron on, how can I serve? You know, I've led this church now for, I think, 21 years. We moved here many years ago. It's been easy, it's been hard, and it's been everything in between. And, but I want to tell you, deep in Deborah and I is such a contentment in and satisfaction, no matter what, that we have been able to serve God, sometimes well and sometimes not. If there's a vacuum in your life, if you're feeling sorry about you, it's all about you, find somebody else worse off than you, and you just have to go three blocks to find them, sometimes closer, and then get on your knees and thank God that we woke up in a warm bed in a nice house. You see, it's in this atmosphere of unity that the Holy Spirit begins to move. And in the Gospel of Matthew, we see an important principle that before honor comes humility. That those who demand or seek honor will ultimately be humbled. And those who seek humility will ultimately be honored. 
Why is that? Because pride is about glorifying myself. And humility is about glorifying God. Matthew 23, 11 to 12. The greatest among you will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves, this is God speaking, will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. In Philippians chapter 1. I hope this is... I hope this is not coming out as a pointing at you kind of preach. I've got a lot of fingers pointing back at me. But I hope you can see that this is wanting to bring us into freedom. That as God gives us more space and as this church grows, we need you to be looking out for the ones behind you, the ones next to you, the ones in front of you, who may just need somebody just to say, welcome. I told the story before, and I'll tell it again because it so impacted my life. We had this couple come in, and they were pretty broken. And he, on his way to church, he said uh, to his wife, if nobody greets us, well, uh, I'm out of here. Came to the preach, sat through the preach. They were going out the door. Bisla and Yomi, Nigerian couple, and saw them. Bisla just ran and, hey, guys, what are you doing today? Sunday. Uh, nothing. Do you want to come to lunch? Change your lives. I thought it would be my preaching. It was the lunch and they'd reach out. <laughs> See, some people here don't need another preach. Some need more. Some people just need some love, some encouragement. Some people to know that they are valued here. And I don't want us to build a preaching center. I want us to equip saints for the works of the ministry so we can get out of these four walls and if we cannot look after each other how the heck are we going to sustain it out there amen I'm fired up <laughs> Philippians 2 1 to 4 one of my if you'll hear this passage in fact 1 to 11 but we'll go with 1 to 4 first if you have in any encouragement, Oceanside Church, of being united with Christ, any comfort from His love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose, living in unity, in harmony, in love. And this is how we do it. He gives us even what we need to put in place to, be, to walk like that. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility. The ones in jail, the ones dealing with them, consider them better than yourself. I want to tell you another little story. I was about 18 years, 17 years old, lived in South Africa, beautiful beach city, like a Southern California deal, on the beach all the time, single mom, doing my own thing, and uh, getting in and out of a little bit of trouble. I wasn't a Christian, and, and so on. And I was driving, and maybe it was an angel in the, in the form of a police uniform that picked me up. I was hiking, and this police car um, stopped me. I had to make sure I checked my pockets before I got in there and all of that. But I got into this thing, and... 
he saw me and he said, so tell me about your life. So I'm telling him a little bit about it. And he said, listen, I meet a lot of young men like you. And I said, I just feel you one decision away from being in jail. And he just gave it to me. Yes, sir, yes, sir. I'm sitting in the car like this. I get him. What the heck was that? But I tell you, we are one decision away by the grace of God. By the grace of God, I was not uh, incarcerated. By the grace of God, I did not, uh, I, even though I did things that I, I um, regret, God forgave me and set me free and put me back on my feet. And God uses people. God used that, of all people, a police officer. A South African police officer, don't mess with. Just messing with him would have put me in jail. Consider others better than yourselves. Each one of you should not only look after your own interests, but also the interests of others. Paul then goes on to speak of, in this thing, of the humility of God. He ramps it up, and he says this. Your attitude, 2 to 5. Philippians 2, 5 to 11, sorry. Your attitude should be the same as that of Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you, we can't change circumstance, but we can certainly change attitude. Who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. God humbled himself taking on the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. And while I was reading this again yesterday and just over this, I had this picture. I said, how humbling must that have been? And I had a thought in Africa, you get anthills. Everything can be big in the bush there, anthills. They're not like this. They're like 10, 15 feet high, and there's like a gazillion ants in them. And I had a picture of, of, of an anthill that was broken and smashed and in trouble. And I walk in there as a human and said, oh, that sucks to be them. But imagine if I became an ant to save those ants. Just came to me and I thought, God, you left heaven. You left all your glory. You set it aside to come and save us. And the amazing thing about it, you didn't force us to follow you. You gave us a choice to either receive you or not. And whether we receive you or not, although there's consequences, eternal consequences, you always love us. You hate the sin, but you love all of us sinners because you know the damage that sin does. He came, set that aside, and was made in human likeness. And found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and earth, and under the earth, and every knee will bow. This side of eternity, uh, of 
eternity or that. And every time confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, what happened here is humility came before glory. He humbled himself. God exalted him. The cross came before the crown. He laid down everything. And when he did that, God exalted him. The creator of all humbled himself, became a man, died on a cross for you and I. I was thinking of that. And I was thinking of the picture of the Last Supper. He's there with the disciples. He's there in the, in the room. He knows what's going to happen. They still have no clue. He's saying, don't worry, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He's going to comfort you and lead you and all of this kind of stuff. And they think they're still chilling out. A couple hours later, he was on a cross. But he did something. God put on an apron, got on his knees, and washed his disciples' dirty, dusty feet. Even the feet of Judas. Humbled himself for us. And when we humble ourselves before God, God lifts us up. He exalts us in a sense. You see, I want to speak and read a little picture about Jesus Christ and his humility. Colossians 1, 13 to 22, tells the story of our redemption. It says this, verse 13, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He takes us, rescues us. We are drowning and he throws us a life rope or a life boy to hang on to. And we have a choice whether we hold on to that boy or not. But he does that because he's on a rescue mission to bring you out of darkness and into light. And he did that. And he goes here, verse 15. He is the image. This is who Jesus Christ is. The image of the invisible God. The firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth. Visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers. Rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. He was not simply the gentle Jesus meek and mild. A little child in a manger. He set aside his deity and took on humanity, born of a virgin in a manger, lived a sinless life, and paid the price for us. God himself became an ant and went into that anthill to save it. He is before all things, and in him all things are held together. He is the head of the church, not me, not the eldership team. He is the beginning and the first month born amongst all the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. And this is the amazing part. For God, the Father, 
who loved us so much, who gave his only begotten son, was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. For God so loved that he gave. Love is an action word, or it's not love at all. God so loved that he saw us little ants scrambling around. He said, it sucks to be you, but I love you. No. He said, I have a plan, and I'm going to give my one and only son for you. That's the value that he puts on your life. Every single one of you say you have no value. He gave his only son. And he goes on to this. Why did he uh, make peace through his blood shed on the cross? Why did God send his sons? Because once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. Being there, got that t-shirt. But I love the word but in the Bible. You'll hear this. Because this gives hope. You were dead in your transgressions. You were this, you were that. But God has reconciled you by Christ's physically, physical body through death to present you holy and blameless in His sight without blemish and free from accusation. When we come into the Holy of Holies, we come through Jesus Christ. He sees us holy and blameless. Who is accusing you? Not God. God is forgiving you. The devil will trash talk you every day. And that's why you need to come and get that spiritual self of God. Show me your glory. Reveal your love. You see, what was the key and what is the key to humility? What is it, God? I believe the key to Jesus' humility was the living revelation of who he was, the Christ, the Son of the living God. And knowing his identity gave him dignity and gave him significance. As a result, he never strived to gain God's approval because he knew who he was and he was already approved. And this is the key for us who have accepted Jesus Christ into our lives as our Lord and Savior, who have been born again, born of the Spirit, is this. That according to Ephesians 1, 3 to 6, and go and read that amazing passage, chapter 1 of Ephesians. Because we accept Jesus, we are adopted into the family of God. You might have no family, you might have a good family, you might have a bad family. And those have consequences, I understand. But you are a child of God. You are a part of His family. You have a father. If you never have a father and you never knew your father, you have a father in heaven who has adopted you. Adoption is a choice. There are many kids out there not adopted. It's not like a natural birth. I couldn't choose my parents. 
Maybe my kids would have wanted a better choice. I don't know. Joking. (laughs) He chose you. Chosen. He, if you accept him, adopts you into his family. Adoption costs. You don't go to Haiti, and I've been there, and we've been involved in people that have adopted children. It's a very long, whether it's Haiti or Africa or wherever, it's a long, expensive, odious process. It costs you. It's not like, oh, I just had a child. It can take years. I've been in orphanages where they little kids of this age, and they were going to be adopted, and now they're this big. And the government is still wanting more than this, and the people are still trying and trying, and eventually the breakthrough comes. God paid the price for your adoption in His Son, and He adopted you into His family. And as a result of that adoption, this is the craziest thing, Romans 8, 15 to 9, we are now heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. We have the same standing before God as Jesus Christ. Wow, wow, wow. Can I have one big wow? Wow. We, church, are sons and daughters of the living God. We have a new father and we have a new home. And as we begin to understand our identity, and our dignity, and our significance to God, and that is not found in what we do, but in who we are, we stop pushing and thriving and trying to be the top dog or the bottom dog or every other dog it is. Because we are secure in our identity. We are secure, and our identity gives us dignity, children of God, heirs of Christ, And our significance comes out of that. Not in what we do, but in who we are. And when we settle that, and we get come at peace with ourselves, or when I get this, or when I do that, then then I can do this. Or or when I do this, then I can do that. If I had more money or more or less, no, God, no, 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 no. I'm your source. I'm your significance. I give you dignity, and I love you. It's easy to serve when you've settled that in your heart. But it's when more stuff, more stuff, more this, more this, this treadmill that people are on today is unbelievable. More, more, more. Because I want significance. I want dignity. And people look at what I have and what I do. And that's why I get it. So I feed that thing. I feed that thing instead of saying, God, you have given me all this stuff. You have blessed me with this so I can be a blessing. You want me to use my stuff for you, Lord God. It's all yours anyway. And my identity is not in a U-Haul trailer full of stuff that when I die, I want to try and hitch to, to my coffin and go to heaven with. You can't take the stuff with you. And I'm not negating the wonderful thing that God blesses us. But when I, oh, I was overlooked, I was this, I, I didn't feel loved, I didn't feel this. 
and we should love everybody, and they all should feel that. But He's our source. He's our dignity. He's our significance. And it becomes easier to walk in humility and serve others. As God's children, holy and dearly loved. I want us to worship, so for the sake of time, I'm just... going to move on a bit, and I'm going to finish with this. I read something on servanthood, and it really pierced my heart. Oh, Lord, in a good way. You know you're a servant when you have a positive reaction when people treat you like one. I want to hide under this. If it had wood sides, I would. A servant gives up the right to choose whom they serve, when they serve, and how they serve. Think of your favorite restaurant, servant there. They're sometimes used, used, and abused. They accept it because they know they're there to serve. And so, when we get our significance out of serving, and it doesn't go our way or nobody notices it, there's a shift in our hearts, in my heart. Nobody appreciates me, God. God says, I appreciated you. I gave my son to serve. Doesn't mean we shouldn't appreciate people. But servants give up the right to choose. When people come in this place, we are servants of the king. And we give up the right to choose when we'll serve and how we'll serve. I want to say that again. You really know you're a servant when you have a positive reaction when people treat you like one. In Ephesians 1, 15 to 18, and if the worship team can come up, I want to read this. And this is to do with identity. Paul starts, thanks, you can move this stuff here. Paul starts Ephesians speaking about our identity in Christ how He chose us, how He adopted us. He starts Ephesians 1. And then, after doing that, He starts speaking about our dignity and our significance. Church, a job is a wonderful thing. And if you've got a high um, job in a high echelon, God wants you to use it for His glory. And if you're the sweeper of the floor at McDonald's, God wants to use it for His glory. Your dignity is not found in that. How much stuff you got. It's in Him. So Paul prays this prayer 
Just Google Paul's prayers. You want to pray powerful prayers? Pray like a powerful apostle. And he says this, For this reason, the fact that God chose you, saved you, adopted you, ever since I've heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you and remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking, here's the prayer, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know Him better. God wants us to know Him and to know His Son. He wants us to know how much He loves us and cares for us. And when we know Him better and we draw our dignity, identity, and significance from Him, everything else is just a byproduct. Think of Mother Teresa. Think of people like that. Just gave and gave and gave and walked. What was the Mother Teresa to me? Humility and dignity were all over that lady. Humility and dignity. You cannot speak one word wrong about that lady. And I believe it was out of a revelation of God's love for her that she could love the lost and lay her life down. He says, I pray that the eyes of your hearts are open. I pray. You see, this is not physical revelation. This is spiritual revelation. In order that you may know, this is what the hope to which he is called in and the riches of his inheritance, glorious inheritance in all the saints. Now, if I can, if we can bow our heads for a moment. Can we do that praise in there? If we can bow our heads for a moment. I want to pray. I want to pray for us and pray for me. That we'll have a revelation of the Christ today. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I tell you, He loves you, He loves you, He loves you, He loves you. He wants to set you free. And being set free is a journey. We don't spend 20 years to get, uh, get out of consequences, uh, create consequences and a week to get out of them. But He forgives us. He sets us free. He walks us through the valleys of the shadow of death even when we fear evil. He prepares a place for us. He will never leave you or forsake you. He will stick closer than your closest friend family member, whatever. He never leaves you. And when you walk through the fires, He is with you. And the storms come. And that vacuum in your life, even a serving God, God says, come back to my first love. Return to me. And if you don't know Him, He loves you. And I'd love to speak to you about that. Or if you have a friend here that knows Jesus Christ, somebody did that to me. Speak to them and give your heart to them. But if you've been hurt by the church, hurt by circumstance, hurt by leadership, hurt by parents, all of that stuff that you hear that is holding you back like a ball and chain, 
You're dragging this thing around. You want to go forward, and, and you've got this big thing on your ankle, and it's just wearing you down. Give it to Jesus right now. Be set free. If you're struggling with significance, people have told you that you're worthless. That was told me often by my father. But I have a new father. And so I have compassion for people who deal with that kind of stuff. I'm set free. My father was a violent man. He was not a good man. All kinds of abuse in my family. God set me free. Many years later, when my father died, he had asked for forgiveness. And I'm so pleased that his name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And he wants to do that to you tonight, today. First love. First love relationship, church. He says it's not about the rules. It's not about those things. It's about a relationship with me. Fall in love with me. Fall in love with me. Get your significance from me and my Father. And whether you serve or not, whether you preach or you, you make coffee, you have significance. And you will be rewarded for what you have been called to do as much as I will. The Holy Spirit just infuse and recharge. Set free, deeper still, Lord. We're not going to draw back anymore. When we've, when we've done some of the uh, terrible thing, we're not going to draw back. We're going to go deeper. When things aren't going well, we're not going to draw back. We're going to go deeper. When things are going well and we feel we don't need you anymore because we're self-sufficient, we're not going to draw back. We're going to thank you for what you've done in our lives. And we're going to go deeper. And we're going to go deeper still. And we're going to go deeper still till we're in over our heads and we're swimming in your glory, Lord. That's where we want to go. And that's to say, come all the thirsty ones. If you've been hurt by church, church, it's a terrible thing. And it could have happened here. We're not perfect. And I want to apologize for that. If you stepped up and leaders have, have not been gracious to you, let it go. Why determine the rest of your life by somebody else's weakness? They may have been in a bad space themselves, and all they maybe wanted was a hug too. Just let it go. Families, friends. If, if, if only I had a new car, if only I had a new that, break that, enjoy a new car if you want one. But don't get your significance from it. It will destroy you. We're going to sing that song, Praise the Name. Uh, Brandon, the two songs that, he, that we... we we sung before that, praise, oh, praise the name, and Holy Spirit, you're welcome here, is what this preach is all about. So I could have saved you a whole lot of time, we could have just sung those songs. But let's stand and worship, Lord. Guys, please, at 10, I know the Sunday school teachers are there. If you need to fetch kids and you want to bring them back, 
Please open the doors there. But if you can stay and worship, do so. Bring your kids into the presence of God. It's good for them.